guys, welcome to My Condolences, the podcast about the hilarious and harrowing stories of life after death. I'm your host, Laura Harmon, and today we have Lauren with us, and we're going to talk about her husband, Sean. Lauren, welcome. Hello. Hi. I feel like we have to tell everyone that we tried to do this yesterday, (laughs) and then my neighbors decided to chop down and shred up an entire tree. So thanks for being so sweet and coming back the next day. Of course, those pesky neighbors. If you could see his pickup truck and how loud it is, he like turns it on at 1030 during the week at night, and you're like, really? Where are we going? Do you have to go to Taco Bell right now? Mm-hmm. They should be doing that on the weekends. I know, but they don't. Not on Fridays. Not on Fridays. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your husband, Sean? You guys were together for six years, married yeah. a little under a year. So tell me about him. What was he like? What was your relationship like? Yeah, so we actually worked together in college. We worked at like a sushi restaurant. And he was like, I always thought he was like cute, but he was a year younger than me. So I was like, I can't do that. He's too young. Um, But like, he was just so sweet. And that's like kind of what got me. Like he was just so nice and sweet. And I felt like I could say or do anything in front of him. And he just didn't care. Like he just liked me. Um, And he was originally from Canada. So he moved here um, from Calgary so extra and sweet, so, Canadian sweet. He was Canadian sweet. Yep, <laughs> exactly. I didn't even put two and two together. Um, yeah, so we moved down here and I met him like a little bit after he moved. We worked together and he was just a very sweet, caring person. And he was really good at golfing, which mm. is like interesting. Like a lot of his friends would say like he could literally like be a professional golfer if he wanted to. Mm. So that's kind of what he did in his free time. But what really attracted to me was just he was just so kind. That's and I was like maybe 22, 23. So I was just used to like assholes. Of course. So like, worse yes. at that age. I'm like, oh my gosh, finally a guy who like cares. Like the first time I realized I really liked him, we, I, I was like kind of nervous being around him and we all of like a group of friends went out to a bar and I drank way too much. So exactly. I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> I went out uh, to the parking lot and started throwing up and, oh. um, turn around and Sean was standing there. He had followed me out because he could tell I couldn't fit, like I didn't feel well. And so he followed me out, held my hair back and he's like, you know, you need to, you need to go home. So he flagged down a cab. There was no Uber back then. Uh, we got in a cab. He took me home. I remember throwing up in my bathroom at home. Uh, he was still holding my hair back. And then I woke up in the morning not knowing like really what happened the night before. And he was asleep on my couch and I'm like, what are you doing here? Right. Like you, you were really like drunk last night and like very sick. I just wanted to make sure like you were okay. And I guess he originally like put me to bed, left. He got into a new cab halfway through. He's like, actually, never mind. Can you take me back? Because he's <laughs> like, I was just worried about you. I didn't want to like leave this girl passed out in her room. So he just slept on the couch and I just came out and I was like, that is just like so sweet that you... <laughs> You know, we don't even know each other that well, and you were just so nice. Like and you could you just, have been like, stayed in for the vomit show that was your night. Yes, like, I mean, I feel like vomit is so gross, but with a stranger, he must have really liked you. Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> oh my god, like he's sweet. So that's when I was like, eh, maybe age doesn't really matter, and that's kind of how he like warmed his way into my heart. Oh, so you guys were together for six years, and then you eventually get married. Tell me about what Mm -hmm. that was like. I saw your dress. It is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I know our wedding was beautiful. Um, so I remember, gosh, we were together maybe 
four years at the time when we got engaged. Um, but it was like my birthday. We went up north to a, like a cabin and I was being kind of a, like a little brat. Again, I was like younger and I'm like, so like, are we ever going to get engaged? Like, what are we doing? Like, are we going to be together forever? And um, he was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But little did I know he actually like had the ring with him up oh at the cabin. Gosh, that's hilarious. So next day he proposed and we were engaged for like a year and a half. And um, basically I said, I either want to get married in the woods or on a beach. And he said, well, I want to get married on a golf course. So we got married in Lake Tahoe, um, a golf course that had a beach on the lake in the woods. So it was That's perfect. Amazing. And it was beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. You guys look stunning in that photo. It must've been so exciting to move into that chapter of your life. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how was Sean at that time? Was he, mm -hmm. what, was there anything on the outside that you saw about him that were concerning or was he just himself at that time? Well, that we got like married in the summer in the beginning of that year we had we bought a house together um, and it needed like a lot of remodeling so we were constantly at the house like doing a bunch of work um, so that was a little bit stressful along with wedding planning and I remember he was just like really stressed about money and um, I was like you know we've we've made a budget like we're within the budget I'm not sure why you're stressed because we're we've made a budget. Yeah, you're being so, responsible. Exactly. So I'm like, you don't need to stress about money. Um, but that was pretty much the only thing. And I'm like, well, you know, these are big life changes after, you know, the wedding planning is over. I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we went on our honeymoon and within like a couple weeks of getting back from the honeymoon, he started getting really bad migraines. Hmm. Um, and he always had migraines, but these ones were like really bad. Um, he like couldn't sleep so he ended up starting to like sleep downstairs like in the guest room or on the couch because he just couldn't ever sleep so we started sleeping in separate rooms i kept telling him like you need to go to the doctor if you're like getting this sick i'll go i'll go but he just like never went to the doctor and um he ended up going to urgent care i think he got like some meds um but they didn't help so from like summer until probably like Christmas, he was dealing with those migraines. And like, I remember going to work and I got like a text from one of his friends at work and he was like, hey, are, are you and Sean okay? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, Sean like no called, no showed for the past two days. Like, are you guys okay? And I'm like, what the hell? So I'm pissed because I like text him up. I'm like, you no called, no showed? Like, are you kidding? You can't be like irresponsible. You can't lose your job. Like it was so like out of the ordinary. And he was like, oh no, I did. I did call in. I did call in or, or I forgot or something like the migraines. He was just like really out of it. And almost. so did he just, he had just stayed home for those two days then and not gone to work? I guess so. So like, cause you're I at work. I'm at work. So I remember one time I forgot like my lunch or something when I was at work and it was a quick like 15 minute drive. I came home, I opened the garage and his car was in there and I'm like, he would just not go to work, but I didn't know because I would leave before him right. and he just, I guess, wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. um, and like later after he died, like I did some digging, I guess he had filed for like FMLA and stuff like that to get like paid leave, um, but they didn't. So he was just missing work and not getting paid. 
So that was probably like the biggest indicators was like the migraines. It was just like really affecting him. And it was right after our honeymoon. So like right after we got married, it was maybe good for a few weeks. And then he just had his migraines and he didn't want to do anything. He, we started sleeping separate because of them. So it was like sucked. Um, But I'm like, we just got married. And as soon as we figure out what's happening with his migraines, like it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. So it was just working through that. Right. So why don't you walk me through your brother was getting engaged. He had his engagement party. Is that right? Yeah. So walk Um, me through that day. Yeah, exactly. So basically like by Christmas, he was actually feeling better. Um, He started taking like CBD oil. Like he was just trying to like look for anything that he could get his hands on without going to a doctor. And he was feeling better. So that day I actually had a work event. Um, cause I worked in foster care then. So we had like an event for the foster parents and I went to this park in the morning and that day he finally was feeling good enough to go golfing. Hmm. So he went golfing with his friends, which was like amazing. Cause I'm like, he's finally feeling well, he's out doing what he loves. Like he's, this is finally like turning a new leaf. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at the work event. He's at golf. My brother, um, had just gotten engaged like the week prior. So my parents were throwing an engagement party. And since we were like both doing our own thing, we're like, okay, we're going to meet at my parents' house mm-hmm. for the party. So I showed up and it was like both sides of my family, like my mom and dad's side, we're all hanging out. Like everybody's there. An hour goes by. He's still not there. And I'm like so annoyed again. And I think it was just like, I was starting to kind of almost like be a nag because he wasn't going to work. It was one thing after the other. I found out he wasn't paying the mortgage because he didn't have enough money, but he was lying to me and I didn't know. Um, So I'm just really annoyed at like everything he's doing at this point. And an hour goes by, hour and a half, two hours after everybody's there, he's still not there. And so I'm calling him. I'm like, where are you? This is embarrassing because like we're taking big family photos and everything. I'm like, cool. Like my new husband is not in these photos and he's not here. And uh, he answers. He's like, yeah, I'll be there soon. I'll be there soon. He finally shows up and I'm, (laughs) I'm pissed. And my whole family can tell it's like awkward because he shows up and I'm like, finally, you're here. And I'm annoyed. He's just, he, I could tell he just didn't even want to deal with me. So he's like, okay. And he went to like the other side of the backyard and started talking to like my grandpa and stuff. Um, and then I had like a glass of champagne. And then I was finally like, you know what? I need to calm down. So I went over to him. I'm like, hey, sorry. I was just, you know, annoyed that you were two hours late, but it's okay. And uh, we kind of like made amends and we were all just like hanging out, talking um with my family I remember the last conversation we had before we left um my parents were asking like oh when are you gonna have babies you know all of that that comes so fast you're like I just got married (laughs) calm the fuck down like I'm like I don't know I don't know but you know I do like thinking about names so I threw out like a name and I remember Sean was like oh I like that name too yeah um and even was like because I said like Eleanor, because it was my great grandma's name. That's my and grandma's like, name as well. Go really? Eleanor. Yeah, Eleanor. I yeah, I love that name. Yeah. Yeah. And even Sean was like, yeah, we could like for short call her Ella. And I'm like, that is so cute. And also like, I can't believe you are like chiming in on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, that happened. And then it was like getting late. Everybody was starting to like be tired. And so we decided to leave. And uh, 
we drove separate. So his friend, like his best friend, who also was the one that he worked with, who would, like would text me and keep me updated. He was out like at the bars, which were down the street from where my parents lived. Mm-hmm. And probably from where my parents lived to where we lived is maybe like 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knew his best friend was out at the bars. So he's like, hey, I'm going to call my friend and see if he needs a ride home because I know he's at the bars and I'm, you know, I'm going to be on the way home. And he lived in the area, same area as us. So he's like, all right, well, I texted my friend and he hasn't texted me back. So I'm going to wait in my car to see if he responds anytime soon to see if he needs a ride. So I was like, okay. So I got in my car, uh, started heading home. And then I think he called me and he was like, hey, you know, he doesn't need a ride. So I'm on my way home. Um, I think I'm going to stop somewhere and get some food. And again, I was like annoyed. I'm like, there was so much food at the party. Like, did you not eat? And he was like, I, I just want to go pick up some food. So I'm like, I don't, I don't need any food. Thanks for asking, but um, go do you. So I went home and I got ready for bed and I was in bed. And I remember I kind of like was dozing off and I woke up and Sean was in our room, like pacing around. And I was like, what are you doing? Like I woke up and I just remember being like, what are you doing? Like, and I think I said something like, what are you looking for? Cause he was just like walking around looking for something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, you parked too far over in the garage. I can't fit my car in the garage. So where are your car keys? I need to move your car. And like, I immediately was like, Oh my God, I like, I feel so bad. Whoops. Like I didn't realize I parked that bad. So I'm like, Oh, the keys are on the dresser right here. So he grabs them and he goes downstairs. And so some time went by and he still hadn't come upstairs. And I was like, like, does he get asleep downstairs again? Like he normally does. Like, where is he? So I went downstairs. He wasn't there. And I went to the garage and I opened it and like both cars weren't there. So I was like, Hmm. what? Like his car's not there. and My car's not there. Like what? And I'm thinking like, maybe like his car broke down and he needed to like take my car to go back to the car. I didn't really know. So, and it was really annoying too, because the garage door was just wide open. Right. So it left you like exposed. Yes. So I was annoyed. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, cool. Um, Why is there no cars in the garage door wide open? And it's like, by this time, it's like maybe midnight. And so I'm like, all right. And I went, grabbed a jacket um, because the laundry room was right there. I'm like, I'm going to walk down the street. Like tur- turn the corner just to see if like the car's broken down or if he's right there. So I throw on a jacket. I walk down the street, and um, I like heard sirens and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And a, a cop car immediately like starts driving down the street, and um, it's I'm like, okay. And I I just have my phone. I'm calling Sean over and over and over again. Like no answer, no answer. But I keep calling. And then as soon as the cop car like drove up, I'm like this kind of like feels weird. So I hung up the phone and just kept walking. He drove past me, but then he stopped and he gets out and he's like, excuse me. Um, like, what are you doing out at this hour? And I remember just not knowing what was going on. So I was like, uh, I'm just taking a walk. <laughs> Cause I'm like, do I say I'm like looking for my husband? I don't know. Right. It's cop. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I'm taking a walk. So he's like, well, did you, do you know anything about the accident in the neighborhood? I'm like, no. And he's like, did you hear it? It was really loud. And I'm like, mm, no. 
but immediately I'm like trying to put two and two together. I'm like, did he have an accident in the neighborhood? And like, what is he doing? But I don't want to say too much because I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, right. no. And so he takes down my information. He leaves and I just like bolt back to the house. I'm like, what is going on? I had like a bad feeling because it's yeah. like, what? I don't understand what's happening. Right. So I go back to the house and we actually, this is embarrassing, but we did have a roommate at the time. Like before me and Sean started living together, I lived with this girl and just he started coming over all the time because he was my boyfriend. It was just like an easy living situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when we bought our house, she had nowhere to go. We're like, we have like three extra bedrooms. You could, yeah. you could live with us. So I wake her up. I'm like, hey, I think Sean got in like a car accident or something. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so she's like, why don't we call, you know, Sean's friend, the one he was supposed to potentially take home. So we're calling him. He's like, I haven't heard from him. So I'm like, okay. And then there's a knock at the front door. And I just look at my roommate. And I'm like, I'm not oh, answering fuck. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something's <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so she goes downstairs and it's like two cops. And they're like, you know, is Lauren there? And, the, and I'm like, uh, and I hear them say that. So I'm like, oh, crap. So I go downstairs and they're like, are you Lauren? Do you own like a white Jeep Cherokee? I'm like, yes. And um, basically they were like, okay, you know, your husband was in a car accident. Basically he crashed into like the neighbor's block wall in their backyard and he, he took off. They're like, so it was a hit and run. Um, we think he took your car and he's gone now. Like basically they said like, we don't know where he is. He's in your car. Um, okay. We're out looking for him. And it, I'm thinking like, great. Like I'm married to a fugitive. Like right. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I'm like, like oh, this has already been an embarrassing day. Come on, man, <laughs> keep it together. Yes, I'm like, okay. And it was just so unlike him too. I'm like, he's on the run from the police. Okay, so they're like, we have to come inside, um, and we have a detective that's going to show up, but he he's going to be like maybe another hour or so. But but we have to be here with you. Mm -hmm. So I sit down in the, on the couch and the police officers are just like standing there and it's kind of awkward because it, it probably ended up being maybe like an hour and a half of me just sitting there wondering mm -hmm. what's going on with the cops there. Wow. And so, and I think he's just not like on the run and right, I think he's just like really just being an ass. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm embarrassed because these cops are standing there and I'm like, <sighs> like, I'm so sorry. Like, I almost feel like I'm responsible in a way of course because it's like your husband your car yes so I'm like ah oh, this is embarrassing and I'm talking to my roommate and she like knew we were already having those issues of him missing work and not paying the mortgage and lying to me about it and so I was upset now I know he's on the run right and I feel I feel so bad like to this day that I said this but I looked at her and I go is this grounds for divorce like I asked her that I'm like this is just like one thing after the other. And like, this isn't the person I originally married. And this also isn't what you signed up for. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this just is this grounds for divorce. And then I remember even my roommate looked over at the cops that, and she's like, I don't know. I'm not married. Are you guys married? Like, what would you do? And I remember they just got really awkward and they're like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Right. But I'm just like, ugh, and I'm like shaking. Cause I'm like, this is just weird. Sure. And so 
Finally, the detective shows up and his name, I remember his name, it was Detective Rocky, which I'm like, what a name. Right? <laughs> and Detective Rocky, he, uh, he comes in and he's like, uh, can we go somewhere private? We like, the, the two of us need to talk. So we go into the other room, we sit down and he starts just like asking me questions about the night. Um, and like, I knew Sean maybe had like a beer or two. Right. I had a, like a glass of champagne or not, but he was like really asking about that. I'm like, I'm not going to give too much information. Again, I don't know what's going on. So right. I was just kind of like vague. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was vague about the night. And um, so after I tell him kind of like what happened that night, everything, he just stops and he's like, okay, so after Sean took your car, uh, he stabbed himself and, and he's dead. And I'm like, what? <laughs> because like and I know like I've listened to your podcast and I know when people like get that kind of news like people say they like wail or they they fall to the ground in distress but like I didn't have that reaction mm-hmm. like he told me that and I just sat there and I even like reading his like police report and stuff he said that I was just quizzical um because I just sat there I'm like what I'm like right. Okay, he did what? And he's, he just said, oh, he's dead. So I'm just like, my brain is trying to compute. It's like, what? I don't, I can't like understand this. So I think I was just like, okay, so where is he now? And the cop's like, oh, he's still at the scene. And I'm like, why is he still at the scene? Why isn't he at a hospital? And they're like, oh, it was, it was too late. There was nothing we could do for him. He was already dead. And I'm like, so he wasn't at the hospital. Did you guys even try to save him? Like, did he die immediately? Like, why is he still at the scene? And it was just like, there was nothing we could do. You know, he's dead. His body's being transported right now. God, it's like almost insensitive, like no compassion. It's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like, it's hard for him. I'm sure that's like, he deals with that often. Right. And I was just confused. I'm like, where did this come from? Right. And, um, yeah, like out of nowhere. So basically he's like, you know, um, we need to focus on you now. So who do I need to call to come support you? And I'm like, well, you need to call Sean's mom. And he's like, no, we can't do that right now. We have to have officers go over there to inform them. Uh, we can't have any contact between you and them right now. So not his mom. Um, it needs to be someone so else. Weird. Yeah. Like if something because, happened to my boyfriend, I the first person people I would call were his parents. Uh-huh. Well, they wanted them to be notified by the police first, not me. Um That's stupid. I don't okay. really know. And as like time went on, I kind of realized like they were he's also like investigating me. Right. You were like a so, suspect or something at that point. Yeah, which I wasn't even there. But so he's finally like, What about your parents? I'm like, all right, fine call my parents and so he calls my parents and it's like probably 3 a.m at this time or something and my parents of course that freaks them out of course it's like you know this is detective rocky and he wouldn't tell them you know they're like what you know is she okay is she okay they're like she's okay but she needs your support so what a weird way to handle that <laughs> i know so my parents are also freaked out of course they're like uh okay so they come down 
the detective tells them what happened before they um, even can't come inside my house. But they come inside and they're just like wailing and crying and they both hug me. And I hadn't even shed a tear yet, which right. I know is like weird. You're just like a zombie. You're just like, well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that's weird. I think you can't even, you're, he was what? Like, it's just such a crazy thing yeah. to have had happen, you know? Yeah, it's like, I mean, how did you react when you found out about your dad? Well, for me, it was, um, it was uh, quite a shock because he, he went into the hospital. They diagnosed him six months of life left. And six days later, he started hemorrhaging and they took him to the hospital and he died suddenly there. And so I remember crying, but I remember my brother was like, I mean, stone, like the wall dropped, like he did not emote whatsoever. Um, mm. And so it is interesting, like how everybody's body just responds completely differently, that you can just be in a state of shock of like, yeah. what, what I can't even imagine you processing. He was just pacing in the bedroom. And then like, the, I mean, you're having to wrap your mind around, he's, he's crashed the car. He's come back and gotten my car. He's <laughs> missing. There's a police chase. They're pursuing him and he stabbed himself and he's dead. I mean, I would yeah. just be like, huh? <laughs> what? Like just that. I, I, I feel it's disbelief even hearing you repeat it. I can't imagine mm -hmm. what it was like being in your body at that moment. Yeah. So I guess, and I guess it just depends. Like, like you said, you just cried. I think yeah, I just, I completely turned off. That's like I, I was just gone. And so they come in crying and I was, I keep saying I get annoyed of people. I really don't. But I remember being annoyed of my parents just crying and hugging me. And I was like, calm down. Like, I just remember being in my head, like, you need to calm down. Right. And so once my parents showed up, that's when he's like, um, the detective is like, I really don't want to do this. But he couldn't wear gloves and he's holding a camera. And I'm like, oh. So he's like, I need your phone. And he starts like being like, show me your text messages and call log between you and Sean. Starts taking photographs of that. Um, he's like, um, I need to see, like, where's the jacket you were wearing when you were walking around before? I need to see the jacket. So I'm like, okay. And I take him upstairs to my room. He comes in and he's just like taking photos in our bedroom. And I was just like, was sitting there like thinking like, holy shit this is crazy. Cause like, I'm a big true like crime junkie. And so like, I love yeah. reading that right, stuff. Right, and right, then right. I'm like, Oh my God, there's a detective in my bedroom taking photos. This is wild. Right. And I also remember thinking like, if Sean knew fast forward that there was going to be a police detective in our bedroom taking photos, he would have never done this. Like, why would he do this to right. me? Right. And I was just like, what? and, um, so we took photos of our bedroom, my jacket, which was in the room. We went back downstairs and my parents were on the couch and he's like, okay, I need you to stand up against the wall. I need to take pictures of you. Sure. And I was like, that's when it kind of started hitting me. Cause I'm sitting there or I'm standing there. My parents are sitting there watching me be photographed by this detective. Yeah, he's he like, put your he hands out. Put your hands out. Show me. But, but it's like, also he did it on this seen with the cops I've been at home right. they have to look into it but so I'm just standing there showing him my hands and he's photographing me and that's that's when I started the tears started flowing because right. I, like, I think it finally hit me like, like you what? dropped into reality a little bit more and seeing my parents like watching me be photographed I'm like holy shit 
So I, that's when I just start crying. And I was like, can you please just like, can you make sure you don't get my face in it? Like, please don't get my face in these photos. Like I'm thinking people are going to see these photos of me. Like, please don't get my face. Please don't get my face crying. Um, so he does that. And then he's like, you know, show me the kitchen. Tell me if there's any, tell me if there's any knives missing. So I'm like, okay. So I look and I do realize like our big knife in our butcher thing on the counter was missing. Um, so then he takes like photos of that. And then basically he's like, all right, that's it. Um, I'm going to go. And I remember my mom going, so now what do we do? Like, do you guys have any resources for her? Cause at this time I was, I was done. And I just curled up in a ball on the couch and was just like crying. So my mom's asking for like resources. Like, so what do we do for her? Do you any like resources? They're like, we don't do that. Sorry. And then they left. So I am very impressed by this fucking police department. <laughs> what a charming yes. experience for you. Wow. Top, top class service. Four out of four stars. Like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, I mean, I don't fault them. But yeah, I wish it would have gone a little bit differently. Um, it was definitely like traumatizing. Of and course. then so after after that, um, they had finally notified his his family. So that's when, um, you know, I called his sister and she's just screaming on the phone. And his mom in the background, I hear her like, they're both screaming. So I'm like, ugh. Um, they're like, where, you know, where are you? Where are you? We're going to come to you. I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to have my parents drive me over to you guys. So they drove me over to his mom's house and it's his mom and sister and they're, you know, they're crying. And his mom says something like, I think he was gambling or he might've been gambling. And I'm just like, huh? Still in shock because I never knew Sean to be a gambler. Like, yeah, he would go to Vegas and maybe gamble. She's like, I just, I just loaned him three grand two weeks ago. And I'm like, you did. All right. (laughs) Cool. Um, why wasn't I informed of this? Um, so again, just like put the pieces together, they're crying. Um, and then my mom gets up and then goes and throws up their sink. And I'm like, can you please hold it together? Can you keep your shit together? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure we're also at his mom's house. Like like I get you're upset. But you also had to have been, I mean, I know this happens a lot with grief where, or, and and I'm grief, like what the tragedy happening is that it's it's happening to you. It's your husband. I know it's everybody's son mm-hmm. and son-in-law and brother, but it's, it's your husband who's literally stabbed himself. And then you're like, oh no, let me take care of you, mom. <laughs> let me take care of you. Yeah, that's let me how I you. felt. And that's how I understand the frustration of like, I'm the one mm-hmm. who's literally on fire right now. But yeah, let me let me pull over and take care of you right now because that's what mm-hmm. I need right in this moment. Okay, hold on. It's sorry, like, my mom's mess. You know. Sorry. Um, and then looking at his mom being like, sorry, my mom is throwing up in your sink. Um. Like, and I just looked at her and I was like, can you please hold it together? Like I'm holding it together. Can you please hold it together? And so, but that's just my mom. So, um, (laughs) I'm like, okay. Uh, then his, they decide, you know, we got to inform his nephew and he's like seven at the time. And I stay for that. And then I'm sitting there and I realized like, oh my, like I'm wearing his t-shirt and I'm wearing his pajama pants. Like I'm wearing his clothes right now. And for some reason I was very disgusted and I was like, get, get these off, off of me, get yeah. this off of me. And so his sister 
or like brings back some clothes and I just like immediately tear them off. I'm like, I need these off of me, get them off of me. And then, um, basically, you know, I look at my parents after we've been there for a while and I'm like, I don't want to be in that house anymore. So we go back to the house. Um, me and my parents grab every suitcase I own and we just go up into my room and throw everything that we could physically grab into suitcases, um, zipped them up. And then I went over to my parents' house and I never went back to the house after that, um, sold it and then moved. But yeah, that was that night. Oh, so I don't blame you for not wanting to be in that space anymore. I, I want to talk to you about yeah. all the layers. So it's like, how did it affect you at the time? Walk me through that. Cause I imagine there was a, a lot of different emotions of like, even you saying like the disgust of something like that happening. And, and I, I give you and offer you the space to be able to like be candid about that because you have a right to be upset as much as we, you know, mm -hmm. love your husband and want to be respectful of him and his family. I mean, I can't even imagine what you were feeling late, like, you know, the weeks after that. Yeah, it was disgust wanting to distance myself like it it, it changed because I remember every day that went by in the beginning like the first few days I was sad that a day went by because I'm like another day has gone by I'm that much further away from him mm -hmm. like every day that passes I get further away from him but on the other hand I kind of wanted to just sure. separate myself um and I was confused at first and then I was angry because sure. him doing that and being like my person, it was hard to not take that personally. personally. Of course. Because I'm like, was I, we had just gotten married. Was I that bad of a wife that you wanted to literally kill yourself to get away from me? Like mm -hmm. what did, and I hate to say it, but I'm like, I kind of focused on myself. Like, what did I do? Well, I don't see how also it could not give you that choice. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. if you, how would you not take that personally? How could you not have, have tried to see what your part in that was? I think that's totally valid. Because mm -hmm. it's like, we've been together for how long? You've known like my past relationships, you know, we just vowed to be with each other forever. Um, you know, I never thought you would hurt me. And now like, look at what you just did to me. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was pissed. Um, but that kind of helped is like, and even, even now, like I've gone to therapy here and there and, you know, my therapist that I went to in the past would be like, you know, we're going to work on forgiving Sean. And mm. I just really had a hard time with that. And after a while I decided like, maybe I won't ever forgive, forgive him. You know, mm -hmm. I get forgiveness and, and, and moving on and sometimes are good things, but I just realized maybe I'm never going to forgive him. I for also that. don't understand. I mean, I, I, I'm like pro therapy. I love therapy. It saved my life many a time, but I, I don't think my first priority within a year of, of your husband killing himself would be let's forgive him. I don't really think mm -hmm. that would be the highest priority on my list because you will make peace with that. However you will down the road, whatever that looks like to you. But I do think that you have a right to be angry and a right to be, very, very betrayed and hurt and embarrassed and all mm -hmm. these things that come with it. And I think that sometimes therapists are in a hurry to, whether it's a breakup or a loss, like, let's just tidy this up with a bow. Let's just make this look nice. And you're like, mm -hmm. no, actually, yeah. I'm still like, I have like a freaking 
what is that Loch Ness monster worth of rage attached to this? You yes. know what I mean? So I can't, I don't, I don't think if I was your therapist, I'd be like, now let's work on making peace with this. And it's not even yeah. been long. Like it's not yeah, even I was long. like, Okay, 23 years later, you've never moved on with your life and you're bitter as hell. Let's then work on that then. Yeah. You but, might need to work on well, it moving on. Right, but now, like, I, yeah, I don't see why. That's you- when I was like, I want therapy, I need therapy, but I don't think I need this right now. So that's yeah. when I kind of stopped going. I was like, oh, I don't really need this. Like, I feel like I know what I need mm-hmm. and I don't need that right now. Yeah. So it was... Being angry, being personally hurt by it, and and it was hard too because like with suicide, how they always are. I'm like, do I want people to know how he died? Right. Like, because that's it's embarrassing. It's it's weird to talk about. It's just like it's full of a lot of it's shame. awkward. It's a lot of shame mm-hmm. around suicide. I've interviewed other people in here that have lost people to suicide, and and there's so much attached to it because it's there is an element of shame and blame and the horror mm-hmm. of someone doing something like that and then it's like do you shelve it and say oh he crashed his car you know i did that a couple times yeah, yeah. where it's not like he, a car accident yep <laughs> or yep. he died in a car yep cuz he did yeah but yeah so anger disgust and just i hit a point where i was like i just need to move on like mm-hmm. he and I know this might not be the right thing to say, but I'm like, he chose to do this mm-hmm. and he took considerable effort to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, when it came out, he had actually done it four times. And I'm like, that also blew my mind. Who can physically and like mentally do that? Like not even to anybody, but like to themselves. Like, I feel like I would attempt, I would immediately stop and be like, Okay, <laughs> that hurt. I'm done. Right, ow. <laughs> right, like, ow. Yeah. I, I mean, I get a paper cut and I'm like a total wuss about it. Yeah. Like, my finger. Oh, like, I can't Same, I'm like, Ugh. I can't take a giant ass butcher blade and like puncture myself. No. no. Four times. I'm, and I'm like, who was that? Like, right. the Sean I knew, like, that's so violent. That is so. And I had never heard of anyone using that method. And that bothered me too, because I'm like, How you know, you usually that out. Like there's so many other methods and, and that one just always stuck with me. Like what? Like why did, that's crazy, you know? And, and I, I have like a morbid curiosity of, I read the autopsy. I read mm-hmm. the police report. I tried to like figure everything out. I mean, even to this day, I don't know why he did it. I'll probably never know. Um, I honestly, there's a cruelty in that too. Yeah. You know, because I, I don't know. And I could understand like why, and, and I, I'm very compassionate about people with mental health and all these things. I want to be very respectful of his family and, and, and it's also very cruel because there's no explanation for you. There's no, there's no trail of cookie crumbs where you could say, Oh, this was, this is this, mm-hmm. or he just wanted out or whatever. Now you have to deal with the shame guilt, horror, sadness, anger of losing your husband. And then on top of it, not knowing any idea why he would Mm -hmm. take such a violent act against himself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. It's like, it, it was cruel of him. He didn't Mm -hmm. leave a note. Like, and I think back to when he was just pacing in the room last time I saw him, like, he didn't even say like, I love you. I don't even think he really looked at me. And it's like, 
why? Like, were you just stressed out about money? You crashed your car. I mean, in the police report, they did say it wasn't intentional. It was raining that night. Uh, he was going a little bit too fast and hydroplaned into the block wall. So I'm thinking, did he just panic? You know, he crashed his car. He's like, I'm already, I'm already fucking up a lot. Mm -hmm. Now I just crashed my car. Like, I'm, sometimes I wonder, was he thinking, is Lauren going to leave me? Um, mm -hmm. Is this going to be the last straw for her? And I feel bad because I was even talking about it, not even knowing he was dead yet, being like, is this grounds for divorce? Yeah. I don't know. Um, obviously something wasn't right in his head, but I, I also feel bad because I didn't see it. And like, I've worked in social work, like I've done, you know, child welfare, so many classes in suicide awareness. And I hate the word suicide oh. prevention because right. it's like, how was I supposed to prevent that? I don't you know. Couldn't, you couldn't have prevented that. And I think, you know, interviewing, I always talk about Melissa who lost her son that I listened to that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, I love that episode. I love her. And then just hearing about how, you know, her son was there and said, it seemed fine. You know, it was mm -hmm. like they, he, he had given them like light and rainbows and happiness. And then for him to kill himself like days later is just, you never know. You know, we have a dear family friend right now whose child is is really struggling with mental health, and and we're all terrified about that because even when mm -hmm. she's doing well, you can't trust that that's gonna be the signal that she's okay. And so, mm -hmm. and if and if Sean wasn't actively speaking about harming himself or talking about that, then it's like you really you can't blame yourself. And it is cruel to you, but it's and it's cruel to his family as well. Like they. Mm -hmm. They have no answers either, but how does it make you feel now? Are you so close with his family? How did that work out? I assume you have a right to take a step back. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that because that's exactly what I did. Um, in, in the immediate wake, I actually really gravitated towards them because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wanted to have some sort of like piece of Sean with me still. Yeah. It was comforting. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, they were amazing. They checked in on me all the time. Um, and this was, you know, gosh, January. He, yeah, he died in January. Um, we talked a lot. I remember I visited his mom on Mother's Day. And just the interaction on Mother's Day wasn't great. Um, I think we were starting to grieve very differently. Um, but no judgments. She just lost a son. Like I totally get it. And I want to be there for her. And it's a different relationship, right? It's like, it's losing your child versus actively losing your spouse who chose to stab himself four times and leave you. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's, we can, we can rationally respect her path, his sister's path of their grief. And we also can actively respect the violence and disrespect of what happened to you. And that's yeah. the thing about grief is that one person can, can die and affect five people completely differently because mm -hmm. of the nature of their relationship, because of the cause, whatever it is. And so I, you know, I just want to tell you, I think you're, you have a right to grieve however you need to grieve. And if that means you need to take a step back and move forward, then, you know, that's your prerogative because he didn't really leave you a choice. It's not like, oh, he died tragically in, a, in an accident or he, he yeah. had cancer. It's like, no, he actively chose to do this and left me with, mm -hmm. the, with the fragments. So you have a right to pivot however you want to, in my opinion. So That's exactly ask, how I feel. Yeah. It's, I want to ask you one of my favorite questions is, what is the funniest or worst thing that someone said to you after Sean passed away? <laughs> 
on one of your earlier episodes, uh, you talked about like being people being like, oh, like I could never do that, or or we're blessed, we haven't yeah. gone through that, yeah. like <laughs> favorite shit ever. stuff stuff like that where it's like so annoying and so I've got I got stuff like that too and I remember being like that's annoying like these people you know I always thought I'd be married with kids before I was 30 years old and that's not happening and I have all my other friends who have these perfect families they've never experienced tragedy and I remember sometimes I would get mad at the world like why me Mm -hmm. like why can't I have a happy family like that? And my current boyfriend at the time, uh, when I would say this stuff, he was like, he's my boyfriend now. He, I remember he said something where he's like, yes, they're, they're happy now. Basically, they're blessed now, mm-hmm. but we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Not, not saying I, I wish ill will of on course. anybody ever, but it's like you never know what's going to happen. Yes, right. you are so grateful. You don't have to go through this right now, mm-hmm. but like, who knows what life is going to throw your way in the future? Mm-hmm. You say mm-hmm. that now, you know, who knows? That's annoying. Uh, or you're so strong. In the beginning, I hated that. Yeah. You're so strong. I was like, I'm not strong. I'm literally just existing. Hey, you don't have a like, fucking choice. That's what yeah. blows my mind. Like, oh, I could never do what you did. How are you doing it? Well, yeah. it's either that or don't get out of bed and don't function anymore. So yeah, I'm it's, not like, really, it's not a choice to be courageous and brave. It's it's either it this is. or this. And I'm not doing what he did. So I guess I got to mm-hmm. move fucking forward. Right? And that's how I felt. I'm like, so do you want, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just try to move forward or do I kill myself like he did? And I'm not going to do that because I saw how fucked up it was mm-hmm. to everybody mm-hmm. that I would never, ever do that because I'm not selfish, not saying he's selfish, but in a way he is. Yeah. And so I'd be like, now when people say it and it's kind of crazy in the beginning, I hated it. Now I'm like, I'm trying to like take ownership of Embrace it. Embrace it a little more. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I fucking I'm strong. Am. I fucking am. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm like, yes, look at, I look am at my strong. amazing eyeliner. Fuck you. Right? Like, it's like, it's just, the fact that you've been able to though, like get up and smile and laugh and like face yeah. this adversity with like a sense of humor is a fucking miracle. Oh yeah. Like really well, a miracle. Like, that is what I wanted. And, but you know, people weren't always receptive to that, yeah. you know, because people want you to be a certain way. So annoying. They're going to, you know, judge you for what you're, if you're too sad or not sad enough or how soon you move on. Is it too soon or not soon enough? And, um, one thing that really hurt me is, so I started, um, dating one of, and we're still together. One of our mutual friends, I actually knew him. He worked at that same restaurant. We were friends uh, then Sean moved. We all became friends. He was in our wedding. Um, and then he, you know, he spoke at Sean's service, everything. And then in the aftermath, it just kind of happened. Um, people were not happy. And, um, someone told me, I think you're using, um, Sean's decision to leave you and this world as an excuse to say you could do whatever you want. That's disgusting. And I was like, it's not an excuse, it's a right. I get to literally do whatever I want because this is my life. And I think I've suffered enough. And I was like, do you, so do you want me to just be sad all the time? Like, I think I deserve to be happy. Like, why don't you support me in being happy? Whatever I want to do to be happy, like, I deserve that. People, you know, there were some people that weren't receptive. They didn't want things to change, ah, I fuck guess. them. Fuck them. Sorry. <laughs> right. Fuck them. I mean, I mean, that's just ridiculous because it's, it's, 
it's, they're not going through what you're going through. They're not in your body and your heart and your mind walking in your shoes every day. So it's really easy to stand outside and judge you and say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, circling the pond so close to home. You shouldn't be moving on. You shouldn't be sleeping with someone else. You shouldn't be having romance and happiness and love. Well, what romance, happiness, and love did your husband show you by stabbing himself in the fucking Mm -hmm. heart? Not to be rude, but that's kind of how I feel about it. It's not really fair to then shame you for moving forward with circumstances that you did not choose for yourself. Mm -mm. You did not choose to have this happen. It's not like you were like, you know what? My boy, my husband's boring. I'm going to go find his best man and ride off into the sunset. That's (laughs) not what you did. You know what I mean? If that, then fine. We could judge you. Then yeah. And if I was like... Yeah, if I was like, yeah, we're getting a divorce now, I'm doing this, like, none of, I would, you know, if he didn't do that, I would still probably be with him to this day, because I didn't, I wanted to work on things, and, like, I was willing to work through things. Yes, I was talking about divorce, like, I wanted to make it work. Well, I wasn't the one who left. Also, if somebody's acting, like, erratically out of character, we all say things when we're, you know, if we're having a hard time with our family, with our spouse, whatever, a friend, we'll talk about it and go, I'm not sure this is working for me. You know, that's Mm -hmm. part of the the thing I think that makes people healthier is when you do talk those things out. It's when you hold things in that problems happen, exhibit A. You know, it's like not being able to talk those things out and say, like, I feel like a failure. I'm worried about these things. And and that's why – I think there's such importance about normalizing these kind of conversations because people need to let those things out. And it's amazing how judgmental people can be with no experience of grief, Mm -hmm. no experience of loss, no experience of any adversity whatsoever. And those are the people that I like to say, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang my fucking toilet paper on your opinion. You know, (laughs) like fuck off. And, and because it's just not, it's not right. And, and I'm sure that when they have some more perspective in their life and they're, you know, their maker's door, whatever that looks like to them, it'll be really fun for that little moment to be replayed for Mm -hmm. them because it was a really, really, really shitty thing of them to say. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm not surprised people are clueless and stupid when it comes to these kind of situations, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard when you have already had so much taken from you. And you're exactly. trying to find some happiness in your life. You deserve every happiness in your life. And after somebody dies, not even as tragic and traumatically as your husband did, you deserve happiness and warmth and love and support and joy. And, and then you add the element of him doing this to himself on top of it. Like you should not be judged. for. Moving yeah. I'm on. like, what do I owe him? What do I like? I don't understand what. Are you, I are you, need to do to make right, you happy. Right. And also, are you, are you predestined to have to defend him for the rest of your life? It's not really fair mm-hmm. to have to put that on you. Like, oh, well, he did this and he left tragically and, and hurt himself and did this horrible thing to the whole family. But yeah, you have to be in the corner going, oh, but for the rest of your life, no, you don't. I give you permission to ride off into the sunset or whatever <laughs> you're choosing. Okay? Screw them. Thank okay, you. So let me I ask. mean, that, that – and then, sorry, that was like my epiphany, though, because I was like, you know what? Like, it made me realize, like, the only thing that truly matters in life is being happy. Like mm-hmm. – screw everything else. Whatever makes you happy, as long as you're not hurting other people or yourself, do it. So I was like, it makes me happy. I'm fucking doing it. Yeah. Good for you. And, and, and just keep that motto because that's exactly right. It's like, you're not hurting yourself or anyone else. Then you're doing the right thing. You know, it's, it's, if you were out there being self-destructive, yeah, fine. People can come in and express concern. Other than Mm -hmm. that, back off, mind your business. So (laughs) what could someone have done to help you at the time? Oh, well, um, 
honestly, just being, not being that person. Like yeah. ever I thought don't was be an good asshole. for myself, don't be an asshole. <laughs> don't judge me. If I say this is what I want to do, this is what's going to make me feel better. Just run with it. Mm-hmm. Like um, my current roommate, you know, she did the perfect thing. I said, I want to go out. I want to do this. I want to say this. I want to feel this way. And she, everything I said was right to her. And I'm like, that's what I needed was someone to just solidify and reiterate to myself, like whatever I'm thinking, feeling, or wanting to do is correct. And no one's going to judge me or second guess or say, yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that. What if you did this instead? Like, just let me be in control and support it. Also, and that's what I needed. Why don't people understand that you were probably asking 10,000 times as many questions as they were about Sean and why and what was the reason and what could have been done and all these things. So you already have that in the back of your mind constantly. Mm -hmm. So then let's also stunt you and go, nah, you can't also go find distractions or happiness or any of these things. So it really is not fair because it's like you deserve a chance to go out with your girlfriends, have a jello shot if you want, listen to live music, whatever that's going to make you feel that you in touch with yourself because there's so much uncertainty that comes with suicide with loss where you're confused and you're uncertain of like your like am I I know even after like bad breakups like am I is this the reality I'm seeing is that real you know what I mean like you're second mm-hmm. guessing yourself so much after something like that happens you don't need anyone else doing it for you exactly and that's exactly what I did I'm like I just want to go out and feel something I just want to be happy I want to have fun mm-hmm know if I want to go out and have a drink with friends I'm going to do that because I want to just be happy I just want to get out Mm -hmm. and I and I hate it because sometimes I felt like I was comparing my grief to other people and it was like I really shouldn't do that but I'd be like you know when his friends were sad or giving me a hard time it's like I'm sorry you lost your friend that you talked to once a week and hung out with here and there sorry that must suck but I lost the person I'm with every day. I, I lost my entire life. I can't go back to my house. I don't have a car. My finances are now in shambles. I got to talk to a lawyer. I have to be the one to sign off on all the mortuary stuff. I like my life and the stuff I have to deal with is, I'm sorry, but way more than yours. Mm -hmm. And that made me mad too, because it's like, I'm sorry I'm sorry that you lost your friend that you talk to sometimes, or even people who didn't even know him that well. well like, it's just it's frustrating how people can be selfish when things like this happen. I always tell people, like, really, when someone dies, you have to go like so tight with that circle first: spouse, parents, siblings, best friend, everybody else. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, but the real people that try and like, I know even when our dad died. People are like, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to miss you. It's like, you, you, we have to be in the same house. We have to live in the same fucking space. This person is missing from our life, our, mm-hmm. our uh, routine, our focus, all these things. So really, please don't try and put it on the same level. And I understand that people think like that's a compassionate route, but it really isn't what's helping those it's in not. the center of grief. It, it, I tell people all the time who have lost someone, I'm like, let me know what I can do for you. I'm here when you need me. Like, and I'm not going to be like the helicopter. We call, I call them the ambulance chasers that are like, Ooh, there's a funeral. Hey, <laughs> you know, bring in the casserole, yeah. get to be mm-hmm. a part of the drama. And then they're gone. And I never see yep. them again. Um, and that's what really, uh, I understand. And I validate your anger of 
you're like, fuck all these people. <laughs> like you guys suck. And I always, mm-hmm. and I've, I've learned like how to balance that and like be more forgiving and understanding. And I just tell those people when they call me years later and go, Oh fuck, I had no idea. I go, I know. And now you pay it forward by not being yep. this asshole to whoever else you come across. And that if they have, they go through grief, you're there for them. Um, because people don't know until they know. And that makes it a very isolating community, especially because you are so young, you have a young husband, all these things. It's like you, you're in uncharted territory because nobody knows what to do. And mm-hmm. it's frustrating because people choose selfish choices instead of really prioritizing your mental health, your emotions, your happiness, your stability. I love the, yeah, I love the pay it forward concept mm-hmm. that you're talking about because that's what I just hope. Like when people go through something, maybe they will look back and be like, I'm so sorry. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to do something different when that happens. And, and I was, you know, I was 28. I'm like being called a widow. You think, you think of like someone in their eighties, like, you you know, you're now a 28 year old widow. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be alone for the rest of my life. Like Mm -hmm. I still have plenty of time and my life is not ending because his did. Mm -hmm. My life is going to continue and I'm going to make it good because why should it be bad? and, And you have even more of a right because he chose it. He chose that. And in a way it, he chose to then free you to do whatever you want to do with your time in your life. And I'm proud of you for looking at it that way and taking it on for yourself because you easily could have gone into a hole and said, this is all my fault. I don't know what I did wrong. I couldn't possibly love someone again. I can't open myself up to someone again. And it would be an even greater tragedy because you deserve all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I think so too, because you know, I've come to, I didn't do anything and I want to, I almost thought of like, this is my new life. Like that was my old life. Mm-hmm. This is my mm-hmm. new life. Um, I'm, I could literally, I have a second chance at life. I could redo anything I want. Like maybe I'll get married a second time. I could have a, two weddings in my lifetime. That would be mm-hmm. kind of sick. I get to <laughs> like, just create a new life. And so I just want, to be happy and I want to help others. And it's like, I don't want to be in that sad place because why should I? Mm -hmm. There's no reason to like, you just, something has like, for me, something just shifted one day where I was like, you know what? I am sick of being sad and I'm no longer going to be sad. And that's just kind of how it went. Well, let me ask you, what advice would you give someone who loses their husband? And if you want to add the suicide element, you can. Um, don't close yourself off. Mm-hmm. Um, I would Good say advice. be open, open to, to love again. And at the time I was like, you know, I was thinking, why am I even alive after Sean died? Cause I'm like, what is, what's life without my husband, without my love? He was my family. Like, what is the purpose of life? Like I want to basically be where he is. And I just, that's all I saw. Cause he was my life. And now I look and I'm like, there's so many people in this world and so many experiences in this world that yes, that sucks. And he was my person, but maybe you'll find another person or maybe you weren't, you won't, but just have hope and know that in time it will come and always try to stay positive Mm -hmm. and look at things as like a new adventure or something exciting rather than being like, crap, now I have to do this. Right. Now my life is this. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, actually, this is kind of cool. Now I get to, you know, I got to buy a new house. 
and I got to make it mine and girly because I no longer live with a guy. So try to just take everything and just look at it as a new adventure. I love that. that. Be that. So where do you think Sean is now? <sighs> I don't know. And that's like, so I'm not a religious person. Neither was Sean. Um, like sometimes I would like, I, I kind of believe in ghosts, mm-hmm. but don't really know. And even so after he died, when I first got to see him, like at his viewing in his casket and I got to be alone with him for a second, I remember just like laying on his body and being like, I know we don't believe in anything, but like, if you're still here, please just like send me a sign, show me signs that you're still around. Like I remember like pleading with him and I haven't had any signs and maybe, I I don't know. I have no clue where he is and I'm trying to just be okay with that. If you two could sit down together, what would you say to him? You suck. (laughs) No, I would say, um, Look, I, I think I would be mad initially. I'd be like, look what you did. But I also, you know, knowing the person he was, I think as soon as he died, I think he immediately regretted it. Even if he, you know, saw what happened, I think he would be like, wow, like I messed up. Like everything I was thinking, feeling, I just made it a million times worse. I think he would regret it. So I guess I would just be like, are you happy? Are you happy with my life now? Like, I think I would almost maybe just want to know that he, and I know he would, but I'd want to hear it from him that he's happy with what I turned my life into after him. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thanks. So what, what's next? What's, what's on the agenda for you, for Lauren? Uh, like, in what terms? Anything. What, what feels good? What's, what's coming up? How do, how do you see this changing your life going forward? What, how has it made you pursue things differently? besides in every fucking way possible. Yeah, it's hard because everything's different. I think I just don't care what people think anymore. Uh, I just, I'm doing me whatever I want to do. I'm going to do it. Other people's opinions don't bother me. And also it's crazy. Like I am a completely different person after Sean. Like even my parents have have said things to me. Like I'm so much more self-reliant and way more comfortable in myself and my own skin and like more confident than I was before mm-hmm. because I think I had to be where you it's fucking like, survived. You yeah. Survived. You lived, you made it through. You and literally got through hell and back. Yes. I got, and so I was, you know, in quotes strong, but people are always going to come and go, whether it be like the end of a relationship or a friendship or, or a death that it's like the only person I could really just completely rely on and trust in is me. Cause I'm always going to be stuck with myself. So I might as well like what I'm doing, being happy. Honestly, I don't really have a plan because I had this plan in the past of, like mm-hmm. I said, Oh, I'll be married at this age and have kids at this age and I'll be doing this. Now I'm like, why do I plan my life when that could just not happen? So I try not to make a plan and I just kind of want to just live every day as it comes, of course you need some type of plan, but sure. I don't, I don't want to like plan out my life. I just want to take it as it comes. And if my life turns out differently than I thought it would, uh, I don't really care. Like I always thought I would be married and have kids and I still would love to, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just not the plan for me. Um, and I've also like messed around. I really love to write. So I've always thought like, maybe I'll write a 
book or maybe, you know, I started playing around on like making a blog and I'm like, maybe I'll just like make a blog and just write and maybe that will help somebody. Like just how you, you made a podcast, you can connect with people and I'm sure that's helped you a ton just like talking to others. Definitely. So maybe something like that, but I'm not really sure. I love it. Well, Lauren, I think you're incredible. I am so impressed and proud of you and I hope oh, you know that you. you are seen and loved and supported and that you just keep doing you girl thanks thanks for having me and like listening and wanting to hear my story it's like crazy sometimes I'm like do people even care what I'm saying like yeah but it's do. nice to like talk about it especially being like a young childless widow it, I I couldn't find a lot of people with like the same experience so I always yeah. felt alone like widows are you know when I look it up they have kids and they're older Right. I just never connected. So maybe if there's someone out there that has gone through something similar, they won't feel alone by hearing this. Absolutely. And that's why it's so generous and amazing that you're vulnerable enough to share it. So thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys so much for listening. Please like and subscribe, rate and review, and follow us through the website, mycondolencespodcast.com. Thanks, guys.